guys ever seen School of Rock? I haven't in a long time. Such a fucking underrated movie, man. I I just wow. That's a good. That, I think that's a good movie. You like that movie? Yeah. Oh man, I'm telling you what, School of Rock gets me every single time. It's probably like, I I don't even know if Ryan was born yet when I saw that movie. Was I, that like 2005 or four? Um, I was in third grade, I think. Uh, let's see here. Um, you wouldn't it be funny if I started the podcast? Wouldn't it be funny if I started the podcast with all just this random conversation? Is that a no? Um, School of Rock was 2003. (laughs) Yeah, that was before my time. Yeah. Oh man, but you've seen it though, right? Yeah. God, what a great film! What what an absolute legend, Jack Black. I'm telling you what, those kids could rock out, man. They could rock out. All right, we're starting. You ready? <laughs> Those kids could rock out. <laughs> Everyone good? Yes. All right. Welcome to episode eight of Wolverine Weekly. My name is Max. Uh, joining me today, Justin Wooten at Meta Wooten Peace on Twitter, and we have Ryan from UM versus Everyone. How are you guys doing today? I'm good. <laughs> Ryan, what about you? I am good. I'm also good. I'm sitting here with my Baja. Nice. I'm sitting camp. here with my my Gatorade uh, Glacier Freeze. Justin, what are you drinking? I'm uh I'm drinking water because uh that's that's what I can afford at the moment. I just moved into a new apartment and dropped a lot of money. Yeah, you're um, out in Cal- you're out in California now, right? I am out in California. How's the wait? What part of California? Uh, Bay Area, a little bit north of Oakland. Oh wow, that's nice. Nice, I'm jealous. Um, nice. so we hey Ryan, where's Jacob at? Why wasn't he here tonight? I honestly don't know. Jacob has officially. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh, wait, no. If today's if today's Friday, that means there's a marching band. Yeah, Jacob has officially abandoned us, and it's okay. Um, you know, we've accepted it, but uh, he's still welcome back anytime. Uh, on today's episode, season, as soon as the football season's over, he'll be back. All right, all right, cool, cool. Uh, before we get into all the Michigan stuff, as always, I'm going to give you my spiel. Um, please like and follow us. Uh, subscribe to us. If you're on Apple, uh, leave us a five-star rating and leave us a review, too. Just tell everyone how awesome we are. Um, we have a, a really random review on there from Quentin Cole, and it uh, is not helpful. So <laughs> whoever is listening right now, um, if you could give us a helpful review, uh, you know, tell everyone that, you know, we, we know what we're talking about and all that kind of stuff, uh, we'd appreciate it. Um it's going to be a pretty simple episode, honestly. Um, obviously, Michigan and Minnesota, they play tomorrow. The Big Ten season kicks off tonight with Wisconsin and whoever they're playing because I don't care. Um, it's Illinois. Yeah, Wisconsin, Illinois, exactly. It's, it's our boy, uh, Brandon Peters. Yeah, Brandon Peters. I, the only thing I can guarantee you about that game is Brandon Peters is going to look really sleepy, like he always looks. Um <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so Big Ten season for Michigan kicks off tomorrow. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, it might even you might be listening to this on Saturday on game day. Um, so if that's the case, uh, this whole episode, we're just going to kind of go through um, a quick Michigan-Minnesota preview. Um, and then Justin laid out a bunch of, like, uh, predictions, some, some season-long over-unders, some stuff like that, that we're all going to throw out our predictions on. And then we're going to do a little betting segment at the end. Um, probably not going to be a super long episode, but that's okay. So um, let's get into the Michigan-Minnesota preview. Uh, Justin, I saw you tweet something the other day about how you have, like, a second weather app that has um, 
every Big Ten football city saved in it. Is that true? Yeah. So this is something that I started doing, I think, two years ago, uh, going into um, the Michigan-Michigan State game uh, in 2018. That was in uh, the last one that was in East Lansing. Uh, So, yeah, I started doing then like just kind of keeping track of uh the weather in all the big 10 cities uh <laughs> purely for football watching purposes so yes it is true that i do have a weather app that is strictly big 10 cities i don't have every big 10 city but i have ann arbor columbus minneapolis madison state college college park east lansing and bloomington nice so, nice um, so tell us then, because I'm, I am, if you're listening to this, you might know that I'm on like this social media break for a week. I have been totally checked out of Twitter and honestly, the entire online world for like the past 48 hours. Uh, what's, are we supposed to get like crazy weather tomorrow? Or are we supposed to get any, like, what's the weather looking like for tomorrow for the game? So it's I not, need to know for some of these predictions. Yeah. So it's not supposed to be crazy, but it is supposed to be cold. Gotcha. So, there's not expect to be like any rain or snow or any precipitation really, but at kickoff time, I think it is supposed to be like just under freezing. So it's going to get pretty cold, but uh, nice. I think, I don't think any of the, the elements will other than the, the temperature will affect the game. Gotcha. So um, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know that uh, I am obviously I'm a big Michigan fan, but now that I've been writing for for fan sided, um, it's even turned me more towards Michigan basketball and less towards Michigan football. Um, to preview this game, like here's what I know about Minnesota: PJ Flex a maniac, right? We know that they were at a really good season last year. Um, obviously, uh, their quarterback Morgan is is terrific. He he played really well in a lot of big games last year, which I think speaks to. Um, the type of player he is. And then obviously Rashad Bateman is a beast on the outside. Guys, I don't know anything else about Minnesota, so I'm hoping to lean on you guys to kind of help preview this game a little bit. So Ryan or Justin, what are your, what are your thoughts going into this game? Uh, yeah, you, uh, you touched on uh, the things that are really going in Minnesota's favor other than the, uh, the home field is that they have probably the second best quarterback in the conference. And then they have, a top three and possibly the best receiver in the conference and Rashad Bateman. Um, but I think, you know, honestly, like outside of that, uh, that's pretty much it. And I think because of, uh, because it's going to be cold, uh, we're going to see a lot of running uh, and a game uh, where throwing isn't as much of an element works heavily in Michigan's favor. They have the massive advantage in uh, the running backs, uh, room and Minnesota lost a ton on defense. I think they lost uh, seven starters from like a defense that wasn't like that was you know it was okay but not that good. Um, so yeah, I think uh, what we could see is a game that's reminiscent of the last time we played them, which is where Michigan just, Michigan just kind of imposes their will and uh, runs all over them. Uh, Ryan, do you have any thoughts going into yeah. the game? The only thing that I kind of wanted to add is that there's kind of like if I had to give this something a matchup of the week to watch, I'd say 100% watch Bateman on Vincent Gray because I'm not sure 
whether Gray is going to get some help there from maybe Dax Hill or Hawkins. I just know that that is going to be an extremely important matchup to watch, especially because the secondary is so young. Just because he is, as Justin said, probably a top three receiver and in the conference, sorry. And just with Tanner Morgan as a quarterback, I'm kind of expecting them to pick on the on the secondary. So we got to see how Vincent Gray fares as a second-year starter. I believe he started last year for at least part of the time. Like I know that he was on rugs for Alabama at least a few snaps. So I know that he has some experience, just he's not used to being a cornerback one. And with Amory Thomas leaving, now he is. So we just got to watch that and make sure that – and they're probably going to end up double covering him too. So, so that's just the, my matchup of the week. For sure. And I have I have a couple basic questions here I just want to kind of go through uh, for the preview of this game. Um, and I'll just kind of lean on you guys both to answer it or, or you know, if you guys want to. Um, the first question is kind of – just a very general question about PJ Fleck. Justin, like, do you believe in him? Like, do you think he's overhyped? Do you think he's overrated? Just take me through your thoughts on, on PJ Fleck and what you think about him. Um, I mean, I I think he's like a good coach, but I do think uh, the hype around him has gotten uh, pretty ridiculous. Uh, there was one because Minnesota had one of the easiest schedules in uh in the conference last year uh they i don't i think they started off with three uh fcs teams and, and then, they didn't they barely win a couple of those games too yeah so they they're like non-conference uh like uh you know like uh g5 schedule they scraped by uh, i think they won all of those by less than uh by a touchdown or, or less and a couple of them went to overtime and then after that, they played, I'm not exactly sure the order, but they played Purdue, Rutgers, Maryland, Northwestern, I think, and then um, and Illinois. So they had a really, really easy first eight games. Um, they uh, did well in their bowl game against uh, Auburn. And they well, did I think beat- Auburn is kind of a disgrace if we're being honest. I think they are they are so I, I I'm I'm not gonna go game by game on how good they were last year, but I don't take any uh anything away from any win over Auburn because I think that that, that program is is not Justin, are you are you good? Yeah, I'm Auburn, good. So, Auburn to me is kind of like is that team that you say you really need to watch out for. Yeah. But they never end up being that team. And I feel and like again, and they and they always they have showed that good, last week too. Yeah, and I feel like they always have pretty good talent. And it's like, okay, they, they might pull off one good upset, and then it's like you watch them for three games, and you're like, what the hell am I How watching is this? here? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's, so it's, I don't. I know a lot of people talk yeah. about Minnesota's bowl game over over Auburn last year. Number one, it's a bowl game. What what can we really take from bowl? And we, you know, we're not going to get into the whole bowl game debate, but you know. Come on, it's it's a bowl game. How you know how, how much can we really take out of that? So I think Minnesota is a um, they're a fa- they're a fascinating team. I think they have th- this is a big season for them. Um, they raised a lot of eyes, you know, they, or they you know they got a lot of attention last year, and it's kind of that second year. Can how can they back it up? You know, they got their quarterback back, they got their receiver back, and it's like you know what can they do? And I think it's going to be. Um, it's going to be pretty fascinating to watch how P.J. Fleck handles all that. Um, 
the second question I kind of wanted to get into, and, and I know uh, Ryan already alluded to it a little bit, but um, Justin, you can kind of you can kind of take this one. How worried are you about Michigan secondary, specifically their cornerback play on the outside? Um, I think my worry is like a five. Um, so I think you know it's should be a weakness uh, for the team. But also, uh, as long as Mike Zordich has been here, he's always done a really, really good job with preparing the guys for for that spot. Uh, I think, and, you know, it seems like every year we're talking about, uh, you know, like who's going to step up at at cornerback. And every year because of Mike Zordich, it ends up being fine. Um, I think uh, my only fear, though, with that is that uh, the previous few years, uh, we've had some really, really highly ranked recruits that uh, were our starters with like Jordan Lewis and Dave. Agree with that. Bert Hill mm-hmm. and Andrew Thomas. Those were all, I think, like top 100, top 150 guys. Yeah. Uh, and we don't have that this year, so uh, I think I'm still gonna give Zordich the benefit of the doubt because he's just been so good in that that regard. But also, uh, we're we're just gonna have to see it because there's none of that. Uh, just like top end recruiting talent that we've seen there the past uh, half decade or so. Ryan, what's your, what's your worry about the corner position going into the season? My worry about the corner position is that if anyone remembers the due to the day graphics um, you saw, I know that I saw Sammy Faust in there like quite a bit. And the fact that he is switching over from safety to cornerback, it worries me a little bit because in and also the fact that Dax Hill might be playing some um, nickel, um, some nickel corner, because if they were really confident in their guys, I don't think that they would have two safeties switch positions. True. That could speak more to the safety depth with like the higher end recruits that we got, Makari Page, and um, I forgot his name. There's there's like three safeties that we got this year. I know that Makari Page is one of them. Jordan oh, R.J. Moten. Jordan Morant and R.J. Moten. Yep. And so that may speak more to our safety depth depth than it does to our cornerback depth. But the fact that we're having two converted safeties trying to compete for a job does not really sit with me well, especially since there are a bunch of untested guys in the secondary, like Jem and Green. Like um, Gray is the only one with actual experience, really. Yeah. And he is going to be expected to lock down their best receivers, which if – which, as a fan, please do not expect that from him. You're just going to get really mad. Like, don't expect <laughs> him to lock down their receivers because it's not going to happen. Yeah. They're going to need I, to double. Yeah, I think – I, I, think, um, I don't know. I know I, I kind of touched on this in a previous podcast, and I just wish everybody can just – that a fan's tendency and the tendency of the media as well – is to pick apart and to, you know, write about and find weaknesses in the team. And sure, the corner position may be a weakness compared to what it was in previous years. But we also as fans have to take a step back and realize that we were very fortunate to have elite cornerback play, you know, Every over the last year. over the last 5 years. And um you know, other teams have weaknesses. Every team has a weakness and we kind of have to um, we have to trust the coaches to make the necessary adjustments to, you know, combat those weaknesses on the fly. For example, Don Brown two years ago, pretty much played no zone. Don Brown last year 
I don't remember the – I think it was roughly like – it was almost half and half, man and zone. So going into this year, you're gonna we're going to have to play more zone. That's just that's mm-hmm. just a fact. If you have weaker cornerbacks, you just you have to better. sit back and play in, in more of a zone. Mm-hmm. And what that does – and again, this is something that the fans have to kind of adjust and get used to. You know, Michigan might give up more you know, 10-yard slants or or might give up more underneath stuff in zone defenses. They might give up more yards, but that's okay. Yeah, because it's better than being burnt for 40 yards. Exactly. So I think um, it'll it'll be – Especially with, like, a good pass rush like we have this year. We have Aiden Hutchinson and we have um, Carlo Kemp and we have Quiddy Pay. And they're going to provide the pressure that you need to be able to take a little bit of pressure off the secondary. So – for sure. I, I was, think, I was I think actually, that it's a trade-off that, yeah, it's a trade-off that you kind of have about to make. Yeah, I was actually just about to touch on that. That's a really good point. Um, it's going to – a good pass rush helps everything. Whether you're playing a zone, whether you're playing man-to-man, a good pass rush makes a defense play better than they probably are. And Michigan's going to have to have a good pass rush this year. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, they have good linebackers. Michigan has good safeties. If they can get a pass rush, that will take so much pressure off of their corners, and um, I, I think that that's going to be absolutely crucial to this season. Uh, Justin, would you agree with all of that? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, hit all the nails on the head. Uh, I just think my only, you know, kind of uh, concern with uh, the upcoming game is that Minnesota runs a lot of RPOs and mm-hmm. uh, can't really defend yeah. an RPO uh, unless you're in man. So. Uh, so we're, yeah, probably going to see a lot more man, uh, in this game, but yeah, I totally agree that over the course of, you know, the season, we're going to, uh, need to see a lot more zone schemes. And I think that's why, uh, Harbaugh and Don Brown decided to bring in, uh, Bob Shoup and, uh, and, uh, uh, Brian G. Marie. Yep. And I think another thing I'm looking forward to, and this is a weird thing to look forward to, but, um, I'm looking forward to see like the the empty stands like how much like we know how big home field advantage is in college football and like I know we've already seen it in like other games but I just feel like we haven't seen it with a Michigan football game yet and I'm just curious to see like what the vibe is is like as a fan like is it even gonna feel like a road game like is it you know what I mean I'm just kind of curious to see like how that's gonna shake out and um I don't know NFL stadiums have put for the most part uh a lot of fans and those those games don't feel so empty so I'm kind of uh I'm kind of interested to see, and admittedly so, I actually haven't watched that much college football this season, so um, I really haven't seen it much. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely interested to see uh, the the lack of home field advantage, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, before we move on, I would like to say that with the secondary, that if if we do struggle with man coverage, which, which I have no doubt that Michigan will struggle with man coverage, especially if they run RPOs, because that is extremely hard to defend as a young cornerback. I I want to go ahead and say not expect, but you might want to think about or at least consider the fact that you might see Andre Selden play. Andre Selden is a 5 foot 8 freshman. He is extremely small for a cornerback. Well, not extremely small. He's small. But he is if you've seen his tape, he is like his height, his height is probably the only reason that kept him from yeah. being underrated recruit. He he should be he should be starting right now. He, he would be starting right now if he was a six foot corner. 
And so I think that if you have these older guys struggling a little bit with your pass coverage, I have a feeling that we're going to end up seeing him covering their second wide receiver or whatnot because I can tell you this dude is unreal. He went up against like a six foot six tight end in, in one of his tapes and he broke up a pass that was like almost impossible to break up. So if if there is one positive that we can take away from our secondary possibly not faring as well as we want it to, it's that we're going to get to see him. For sure. And that is and something that I'm 100% looking forward to. It just feels like we've already been talking for 15 minutes and like there's still so much that we could preview about this game. Um, I want to talk about one thing in particular and then you guys can talk about if you guys have anything to add as well. Um, it, it's strictly just I'm just going to touch on the Joe Milton uh, hype for a second. Um, I, I, I hope fans, you know, just can take a step back and realize that this is a road game against a really good team and it's Milton's first start, and it's cold. Like, if you think Milton's going to go out there and throw 50 times tomorrow, like, I, it's not going to happen. So I would expect, like, 25 to 30. Yeah, so I, I just want people to, like, I, I feel like, I, you know, when I when I was on Twitter before this break, I, I just see so many people um, throwing out these, and I'm not even talking about the sarcastic ones, that are just like um, – they People think that, are that dead serious. They think this offense is going to be, you know, way different than it was last season. I think it will be a little bit different. When you have a quarterback that can make more throws, it helps. Helps open up the offense. But it's still football. Michigan's going to run the ball. Michigan has a really good group of running backs. Um, a stacked group of running backs. And, I, and I'm actually going to touch on some of those running backs when we do some of these season-long predictions. But it's like, I just hope people realize, like, I think the more Michigan establishes the run and the better running offense that they have, the more that's going to help Milton show his, you know, show his arm and, you know, make those deep throws and stuff like that. So I just hope I hope people are just, you know, relaxing a little bit. Michigan's going to run the ball and they're going to run the ball a lot. And I'm excited to see that because um, it doesn't matter what year, you know, whether it's 1960 or 2020, an offense that runs the ball really good. Um they're, you know, good things happen. It, it really up opens the rest up the, the game. For sure. It definitely opens up the passing game. Um, yeah. Is there is there anything that you guys want to touch on in the game? Uh, Milton, the offense, uh, the defense, anything you guys want to touch on before we move on? Yeah, I want to give one real quick reality check, and that's that just as Max said, you cannot as a fan expect Milton to go out there and be Patrick Mahomes in his first try. Yes. Do we want to think that this is Chiefs 2.0? Yes, we can. We do want to think that. But you should definitely not expect – I mean, he probably can, but you should definitely not expect Milton to go out there and throw for 400 yards his first game because that's not going to happen. Here's what Unless I can it, already Here's what I can already happen, see. but we're, we're like, probably not going to happen. Here's what I can see. Michigan, you know, Charbonnet gets 20 carries. You know, Haskins gets 15 carries. Evans gets 10 carries. And Milton has a stat line, something like, you know, 17 of 28 for 225 yards and a touchdown. And then people are going to look at that and be like, well, why didn't Milton put up all kinds of numbers? And I'm just like, like he played a great game. Like, this is what I see happening. So, um, God, I'm, I'm just I'm terrified that the Milton hype is going to, like, turn into this weird reality for fans. And um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the only thing I... I've enjoyed hyping him up only um, because, like, 
this is an arm talent that we have not seen <laughs> for in sure. a long time. And but the problem is, is that when we hype him up, that's gonna set him up for the Shea Patterson well, treatment. And, and there's is, nothing wrong with hyping up a player. Like I'm not, I'm yeah. not even saying that. But here's what I'm saying. I'm saying there will be certain games where, where you can expect well. him to throw. Uh, you know, he put up some crazy stats. In my opinion, this isn't one of those games on the road yeah. in the cold against a good football team. Like that's not yeah. a game that I'm going into and being like, Milton's Milton's thrown for four touchdowns, guys. I mean, I hope he does, and maybe he will. But I'm not. You know, you got to pick and choose your spots, and I don't see this game being being that type of game for Milton. Also, I saw this on Twitter, like one or two places. If Milton does not start the game well, we are not, at least, I think there's a 99.9% chance that he stays out there. Like, I saw people saying, <laughs> what if he plays well for one drive? <laughs> yeah, because I saw this in a group chat, and, and someone said, if if Milton plays bad for one drive, do we take him out and put in Cade? And I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? <laughs> now, wait, he hold won up. the quarterback now, before... job. Before, let me give some context here for anybody listening. Number one, the person who said this was absolutely being serious. And number two, the person who said this, I'm pretty sure, is no more than 14 years old. So, like, um, there are there are some weird takes out there. Um, I, I think the younger fans in particular, uh, which makes up a very good portion of Michigan Twitter, I, they are just – they have to – they're going to have to simmer their expectations just a little bit. Uh, Justin, is there anything going into this game uh, that, you know, you want to you touch on before we move on? Uh, I think we've hit everything that, uh, yeah, that we want to say. Um, since I haven't been on is, – is Nick Eubanks playing? I believe so. I haven't heard anything that he says he's not. Oh, I saw. I thought I saw something like three days ago that said he was a game time decision. Is that just? Am I making that up? I could possibly may, be making that up. Maybe you dreamt that, bro. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen anything that says that, but I also, um, yeah, I, I haven't seen anything. Okay, well then I, I possibly could. I'll tell you what. I do dream some weird stuff. We were playing Among Us till probably one a.m. the other night, and I had in an, an entire dream that just took place in an Among Us map. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm prone to to, to, uh, to dream some pretty weird things. Um, God, you guys got me addicted to that game. Um, anyways, moving on. Justin was nice enough to make this big, long list of some season-long predictions, um, some over-unders, some, some, different, some different fun questions that we're all going to predict right now. Um, uh, let's see here. Let me pull it up. Okay, cool. So record, Justin, go ahead and start. What's your record prediction? Okay. So I was thinking, yeah, through, uh, nine games, I was thinking that's what we pick. Uh, Michigan goes seven and two. I, I have the exact same prediction. Um, I have a loss to Ohio state. Um, and that's not a, a pessimistic prediction. That's a, like, how can you possibly predict Michigan to win that game as we sit right now? And then my other loss, I don't know. Um, I just see them, you know, maybe it's to Minnesota. Maybe it'll be to Penn State. Maybe it'll be to a random team. But I, I don't see them running the table on the other games. I also think it's going to be 7-2 and two with a loss to Ohio State and then either a loss to Wisconsin, Minnesota, or 
Penn State. However, I don't think that they're going to lose more than two of those games. I think that their worst-case scenario is 6-3, and three, but I can definitely see 8-1 and one or 7-2, and two, so I'd just say it's going to be in those, in those three probabilities. Hold up. Before we get – is it just me or is Penn State, like, oddly overrated going into this season? They I are. Think in, so. I think yeah, of those three games, that's going to be the easiest one. Yeah, like I, I yeah. just, I don't know what's happening. I, I just, um, I feel so like I don't know. I... Penn State brings back Micah Parsons, who I believe is. They, they don't. I personally, yeah. I personally think he's the best defensive player right now in college football. And they also have a. He opted out. Oak, oh, did oh, he, he opt out? out? I think he did. Yeah. Oh, in which case, yeah, they are definitely really overrated. Because I can tell you that Sean Clifford is, like, I hate to break it to you, he's nothing special. Hold up, hold and, up. That, that's my boy. Relax. And, for, <laughs> and um, from what I heard, Journey Brown is out right now. So he is. Yeah, he's out for the season. Yeah, that's that that does not look good for them. Don't expect uh, them to be like really good or anything. I yeah, think I just I just feel like and and, and what's going on? And I don't mean to turn this into a Penn State slander segment, but what the hell is going on with their 2021 class? Like, it's kind of trash right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, they've whiffed on a bunch of big targets. Um, it, it'd be so funny because if this was like a Harbaugh class, he would be getting so much shit. I think. They're sitting at, like, 30th in the country, and they are not signing any in-state guys. Right, yeah. I think they don't have, a like, anyone in the top 10 in Pennsylvania. That's unbelievable. <laughs> I don't know what the hell. And, and I've I've never been high on Franklin as a recruiter, as, as high as, like, other people. Everyone says, well, he can recruit, he can recruit. I think he's always been a good recruiter. I never expected him to, you know, be a perennial top 10 recruiting class guy. But this is bad this year. Um, yeah, I think yeah. The, the funniest thing is that uh, what? So they had I, I think his name's Nolan Rucci. He's like a top fifty offensive lineman. Yeah. Who, oh yeah, and he went to Wisconsin. Yeah, he went to Wisconsin. Yeah. Grew up near State College. Grew up like with season tickets to Penn State football games. Both of his parents uh played sports at Penn State. Goes <laughs> with Wisconsin. <laughs> but he's an offensive lineman, right? Yeah, yeah. I'd I'd go to Wisconsin too if we're being honest. I'm pretty yeah, sure I, he is Wisconsin's highest recruit this year. Yeah, that's unbelievable. All right, let's move on. We're enough with the Penn State slander. They stink. We know. Um, <laughs> all right, so we're we're all on board with seven and two. Um, I think that's realistic. I I really do. I think that would that would probably finish second in the Big Ten East, uh, possibly third if if that loss came to somebody like Penn State and they had a good season. But I I just don't see that happening. Um. This next one is over under Milton, 21.5 total touchdowns. Um, so is that total? I mean, are, are you specifically saying rushing and passing? Yeah, passing and rushing. Okay, then I that makes my prediction way more easy. Um, it's going to be over. I would guarantee that. I would I would guess I would pencil them in for maybe four or five rushing touchdowns, um, which would leave him then 16 or 17 passing touchdowns. I don't see that being a problem. I think he's going to throw for around 20 touchdowns this year. Um, and 20 touchdowns in nine games, I think that would be very realistic. So, yeah, I definitely have that being over. I agree. Yeah, I guess, yeah. I was thinking uh, maybe about, like, 18 passing for nine games is what my thought, and then maybe, like, rushing for five, so about 23. Yep, that that was – so we're, we're pretty much on the same page there. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. Next one is leading rusher yards. Um, should we just say the player and the yards? Uh, you can just say a player. Oh, oh, okay, gotcha. I actually had yards down here, so I'm going to say that as well. Um, it'll be Zach Charbonnet. I've never yeah. – is if he stays healthy, I would bet my entire 401K on that prediction. Um, I have him for – he was at, he was right around 750 yards last year. Um, he was I, I am I have this weird conspiracy theory about him that I won't share right now, but I thought his usage was just way too low for most of the second half of the season. I think in yeah. less games, I think in less games this year, I have him for more yards. I have him right around 800 yards in, in nine games, which is, probably seems high to some people, but that's my prediction. I have the same prediction especially because here's i'm just going to really quickly go over how i think the michigan state's running uh michigan's running back so i don't know why i said state i just think that sharp whoa, gonna whoa we got we got sparty ryan over here <laughs> oh yeah sparty ryan all right continue friend of the pod um so um i have a feeling that he's going to take first and second down duties and probably carry one of the two for each one and I think that Chris Evans is going to take third down back duties, kind of like a theoretic if you're a Lions fan. And he'll. I can also see him lining up in the slot sometimes. And then I have a feeling that Haskins is going to be more of a short yardage guy. So if Charbonnet does what I think he's going to do, I think that he's going to get somewhere around 800, 850 yards. And I'd say that he, that's good enough to be the leading rusher. Uh, Justin? Uh, yeah, I mean, you guys pretty much said everything. I do think, uh, Charbonnet stays healthy. He's the, he'll be the lead rusher. Um, it seems like, uh, he was a little, uh, a little like hindered just like explosiveness wise by a knee injury and, uh, everything that's been talked about says that he's, uh, uh, basically gotten that all cleared up. So I think we're going to see a much more, uh, explosive, uh, Zach Charbonnet. Have I? Wait, hold up. Have I? I feel like I have shared my conspiracy theory on the pod before, now that I'm thinking about it. About why Charbonnet didn't get very many carries towards the, you know, last set. Did I share this? I don't think you have. I mean, okay. So I think it was the game against Army. Was that Michigan's second game last year or was it their first? Yeah, that was Army. Okay. So was was that the game where Charbonnet had 30 carries? Yeah. All right. So after that game. I am convinced, and this is my conspiracy theory, and I'm probably completely wrong, but whatever. I'm convinced that, like, there was a conversation with Charbonnet, possibly with his parents or in his circle of, like, dude, he's a true freshman. Like, let's not ruin his career and give him 30 carries a game. Um, That's my conspiracy theory is that he – they didn't want that workload on him, and that came from, like – him that's my conspiracy theory because after that game i know that there was some rumors about a knee injury but it was never confirmed um it was like there were some weird yoda rumors about how he's not going to play and then he ended up being healthy and or maybe he wasn't healthy nobody really knew but uh i i just think that whether it came from the coaching staff or from charbonnet i think that 30 carries in his second career game was just something that they didn't want to do again so that's my theory yeah, I think, you know, I don't know if it was, like, something that was, like, spoken about in a circle, but I do think there's, like, a good amount of substance to it. I think at the beginning of the game, like, one, like, you know, if you hear Jim Harbaugh talk about Zach Starbinet, he loves 
Zach Sharp, like the same way that he loved like Ben Mason or like Chase Winovich. But um, I think at the beginning, especially uh, until Haskins came along, Charbonnet was like the only back like the Harbaugh and like the other coaches like felt comfortable, like trusting that like wouldn't that basically would just like find holes and like wouldn't fumble. So I think that's like the biggest reason why, because if you know, I think if you remember like from after that army game and into the Wisconsin game, I don't think he got more than like five carries in that Wisconsin yeah. game. So, yeah. And then like things sort of like, you know, leveled out, out of, out eventually, but still sort of as things went, went on, like, you know, maybe it was like a one, a one B situation with Haskins with Haskins yeah. or one a, but uh, I think, you know, he had that knee injury, I think before he even came to Michigan. Okay. And, you know, apparently like, uh, He's he's supposed to have made a full recovery from that, so let's hope we see uh, more of Zach Charbonnet on on Saturday. Yeah, and if and if you're listening to this and you are wondering why like that would matter, um, the the career the the lifespan of a running back, the, you know, their career span is it's just not very long, and there's not that many Jonathan Taylors out there that get 30 carries a game for four years. It just doesn't happen. Um, running backs, Zach Charbonnet will play in the NFL. He will be drafted one day. Um, you know, you don't want to burn out a running back in college. And it's, and it's not, you know, you don't see very many 30-carry games very often. So um, that's just my theory. Probably wrong. But um, let's move on here. Uh, this one is leading rushers uh, or touchdown, leading rushing touchdown. Um, is this a player or number, Justin? I, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, who leads in, who leads in touchdowns? Okay, so I have um again a number as well so again i have charbonnet i have 12 12 touchdowns i believe he ran for i want to say 10 or 11 last year yeah i think it was um, last year as well yeah so I, i'm gonna say 12 um i think that's a pretty fair number um in a nine game season i think he's gonna have a couple games where he rushes for two and probably a couple games where he doesn't get any so um yeah i like i like charbonnet for 12 there ryan what about you um, based on just like what I said about the running back room, I have a feeling that's going to be Haskins just because to me, he's more of a, like a red zone, short yardage type person. Cause he's, he's like a really hard runner. He, he will come at you hard and he's going to, he's going to get, get through some people. So I think that either him or Ben Mason is going to lead touchdowns. Oh, I actually, I'm glad that you said Ben, Ben Mason. I was talking to my dad about Ben Mason the other day and I'm glad to see Michigan's kind of back to, like, not messing around with his game and just, like, no, he's a fullback. You know, even if you don't typically play fullbacks, we're going to find some sets for him. And, and I'm excited to see Ben Mason kind of doing what he does again. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's like, I think the best blocker on the team. Like, he was a monster <laughs> yeah. blocking uh, Alabama's linebackers in the bowl game. Like, it, when it was him against Bama's linebackers, he won every yeah. single time. So, and it's one it, – yeah, it was one of those things where it was kind of Josh Gaddis. The reason he changed positions, it was probably half because we needed some defensive tackle depth, but half because Josh Gaddis just didn't plan on using a fullback. Well, I don't think that's it. When you have one on your team and when he's probably the best fullback in the country, you have to figure out a way to use him. So, And I, I'm, I'm glad they're probably going to do that this season. Uh, Justin, what about running back touchdowns? Yeah, I was uh I think I'm going to side with Ryan on this one for pretty much the same reason. I think uh you're gonna see 
Haskins get used in a lot of like red zone and like short yard situations and uh they're gonna have him in the uh in the wildcat like uh in the red zone like we saw a couple times last year so I think even though uh it's Charbonnet and yards I think it's gonna be Haskins and touchdowns gotcha um I heard so wildcat with Haskins oh um so was this one will Blake Corum outperform an older guy was that basically what you were saying here yeah do you think uh you know we have the uh, you know, four, four or five running backs. Will he'll be? Will he end up being like running back three or running back four? Gotcha. Um, my answer is no. Um, it has nothing to do with Blake Corum. I, I think he's going to be a, a, a great back. Um, who, who are we going to put? The only person that I could possibly see him being over would be someone like Haskins if he were to like kind of disappoint or struggle. Um, but I don't Chris Evans is kind of that he you know he's going to be that third down but I don't think I don't see him being over the depth chart over him or Charbonnet uh so which would leave Haskins and I just don't see that happening so I would definitely say no Justin what about you actually oh Ryan go ahead my bad I'm gonna actually say yes because what Max Max probably um I think that you forgot Christian Turner well didn't is he is he, he isn't he transferring or no? Or is that not a thing? No, I think he opted back he in. Opted, oh, yeah, okay. He opted I'm, back in. So I think that I have a feeling that Blake Corm is going to end up taking his spot as running back four for like garbage time and periodic snaps and whatnot. I just, if he's not going to outperform any of the other three, in my opinion, I think that he's just, if he has a shot to do it, it's going to be Christian Turner. I honestly wasn't even considering Turner in this. So if that's, if that's the case, then, then sure. Yes, I agree. Yeah, I think uh, I think I'd agree with that. Is that he'd probably be ahead of Turner, uh, but not ahead of the other three. Uh, I really liked. Uh, I think Turner's really talented. And I really like him. I just think uh, our running back room is so stacked that it'll probably be better for his college career for him to transfer eventually. But uh, I, yeah, like you guys both said, I have a hard time seeing him jump Charbonnet or Evans or Haskins because all those guys are uh, have are veterans that like have very, very defined roles. And um, so it's going to be hard for Blake Corum to overtake uh, any of those three guys. All right. This one is going to be leading receptions. Um, I'll start this one off before I give my answer. I'm going to kind of give a background here. Um, obviously Ronnie Bell led the team in, in, in receptions last year. He did that while being on a team with Nico Collins, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Tariq Black. So sometimes a quarterback has a receiver that is their go-to guy. And he might not be the best guy on the team. And he might just be the guy that, you know, every quarterback has their guy. And Ronnie Bell was Shea Patterson's guy. That doesn't mean he's going to be Joe Milton's guy. Um, so my guess is going to be Mike Sanders still. Um, I didn't want to guess Ronnie Bell. It's just too easy of a guess. Uh, so I'm going to go with a little bit of an underdog here. Go with Mike Sainer still is going to lead the team in catches this season. Uh, Justin, um, what about you? Gonna... Oh. Yeah, so I was actually uh, thinking this the same thing as you. Um, I'm uh, going to pick Mike Sainer still to lead the team in catches, and it's going to be uh, consistent with one of my uh, bolder predictions that I had earlier on the pod, which I said that uh, we'll have three different guys that lead in receptions, receiving yards, and receiving t- touchdowns. 
Yeah. So yep. I'm picking Mike Sanders to be the guy that leads in receptions because I think uh, he's going to make a big sophomore jump, but I also think he's going to be someone that you're going to see uh, get a lot of wide receiver screens. Yep. And yep. Uh, if he's the sort of primary target. Uh, there will also being a guy that can uh, be in a receiver over the middle of the field and also like a downfield threat. I think he'll he'll lead the team in receptions. And I actually I won't I, I have I have a feeling I already know who those three separate guys are, but I'll wait. But I, I I have two I have I have a different one for for one of them as well. So we'll probably agree on that one. But uh, that is a bold prediction if that ends up happening. Uh, Ryan, what about you? So my first. At first glance, my easy reaction is just to say Bell, and honestly, that's probably who I'm going to go with, but I just want to say that my second person is actually going to be Giles Jackson. I think that he's a person that can do, since he's he's really fast, he's like a burner, so he's going to be able to do things like break away from his man, like slants down the middle and stuff, mm-hmm. and if they need to get... um. Milton warmed up before they want to take deep shots. I think that having Jackson run these like short intermediate routes is going to be a good way to get receptions and rack those up. So yeah. if there's like a sleeper, I'd say it's Jackson. Yeah, and again, I mean that's that's not a bad guess. Nobody going into last season would have predicted that Ronnie Bell would would lead the team in catches. Um, yeah, just different quarterbacks have different guys that they're go to, and it's not always the best receiver on the team. It's not always the biggest or the most talented, and um, it'll definitely be interesting to see how that shakes out this season. Um, next one is going to be receiving yards. Um, Justin, I'm, I'm going to guess we have the same one here. Um, I have Ronnie Bell. I don't think he's going to be, uh, I don't think he's going to lead in catches, but I think he's going to be a little bit of a deeper threat than, than Sainer still is going to be. And, um, if you're, if you go back to last season, I think Nico Collins caught 15 less balls than Ronnie Bell, but almost had the same amount of yards. So I think it's going to be something similar this year. Um, in no way am I saying that Ronnie Bell is like as good of a deep threat as, as Nico, because he's not, uh, but I do think he's going to get more chunk play. So I would go with Ronnie Bell. Justin, what about you? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, had pretty much the same thought process, especially cause, uh, Ronnie Bell, you know, also, uh, has a good knack for getting open, which he displayed last year. And, you know, obviously he was a former basketball player and he can jump really high. So, you know, I'm excited to see him, you know, show off the the bunnies a little bit and uh, go up and, and get some balls because I think that's something he can do, even though he's not uh, really big like uh, like Collins was. For sure. Um, I'm also going to go with Bell and you guys pretty much hit it, so I'm not going <laughs> to... I'm not going to really keep going with that. Uh, fair enough. Uh, leading touchdowns or receiving touchdowns. I have Ronnie Bell for that one. Um, I, he got a lot of criticism going towards the end of last season because he was our catch leader. But didn't he only have like one touchdown like like through eight games or something like that? Justin, you remember something like that? Yeah, he he only I think he only ended up having like one touchdown on the season, but okay, he, okay, he got really really unlucky because he got maybe sure. had like ten <laughs> catches where he was stopped inside the five. Yeah, so I, I think I, that's exaggeration. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be unlucky this year, um, and I do think he's going to be um, that red zone threat. So uh, I'm throwing out last season. I think it was a it was a fluke. Um, and I'm going to say Ronnie Bell leads in touchdowns. Justin, I'm guessing you're going to probably go with Cornelius Johnson. Yep, I am. I'm going with Cornelius Johnson. Uh, 
I just think, you know, he's the only uh, classic, big, physical uh, outside receiver who uh, who will be uh, the red zone threat. I think he's also, you know, a pretty smooth route runner for his size. And uh, I think uh, a lot of Michigan fans are going to be like presently surprised on him. I I loved his uh, high school tape because he just had uh, some of the greatest uh, touchdown celebrations. Um so, yeah, that that was my pick. Cornelius Johnson uh, leads the team in receiving touchdowns because uh, of his red zone ability and his size. Yeah, and just going back to last season, um, Nico Collins led the team with seven touchdown grabs last year. Uh, so it's not it's not like it's obviously there's something in you know uh, Josh Gaddis's offense that um, you know maybe he prefers to get the the bigger receivers involved down there. Um, so it wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't think that that's a crazy prediction. And like I said, I think if three separate guys lead in, in catches, yards and touchdowns, that would be something that'd be pretty, pretty cool. Uh, Ryan, what are you thinking as far as touchdowns? I'm also thinking Cornelius Johnson and just for the sole, sole reason that he's six foot three, he's primed to be wide receiver number two on the outside, unless they use Jackson on the outside. And I think that he's just going to be. I think that he's going to be kind of like what Nico Collins was later on in his career. But I think that right now he's kind of like a wide receiver one in training until Bell leaves. For sure. I, yeah. I totally I agree. And he's then to get those red zone targets. And then him just to – I just want to be clear here. Uh, Johnson, Sanderson, and Jackson are all uh, sophomores, correct? They're all the same class? Yeah. Yes. And what a luxury that's going to have for next year. They're going to be – we're going to have Bell back and then plus those three. Oh my God! Well, we we probably um, will have Bell back. I I would assume we would, but again, we'll we'll see what happens. I think um, we will. and then you know, AJ Henning and Roman Wilson will be be uh will be sophomores, and then you know, yeah. bringing in a good class in twenty twenty one, and you know, we're finally getting that hashtag speed in space, and then uh, you know, Xavier Worthy coming in next year, who might be mm-hmm. you know faster than all of them, so. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be nuts. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be crazy. All right. So, it'll, it'll be nice. Yep. Uh, next one, speaking of, of AJ Henning and Roman, and Roman Wilson, uh, it was will a freshman wide receiver outperform an older guy. Um, so I think the top four receivers um, in no order, cause I don't care are going to be Ronnie Bell, um, Mike Sainer still Giles Jackson, and then Cornelius Johnson. Um, if we're talking about whether, um, a freshman is going to outperform those four. I just don't see it. I, I in no in no world do I see that happening. I think Roman Wilson and AJ Henning have a bright future. They're both quick receivers. Um, I, I I'm not saying they're not going to touch the field this year because I think they will. Um, but I no, they're not going to outperform any of those of those four guys. Uh, Ryan, what about what are you thinking? I agree. <laughs> the only the only upperclassmen I think that Henning or who's the other person he said I, I'm blanking. Ro- Roman Wilson Roman Wilson that's right I think the only people that they're gonna outperform is Nate Shanley yeah only because they never use Shanley anymore even though he had <laughs> hype like two years ago yeah hopefully they use him but if there's anyone that they're gonna outperform it's gonna be Roman Wilson it's because he's really fast and he's gonna be yep. used in some way for sure. Justin, what about you? Uh, yeah, I think uh, I'm going to go out on a limb a little bit 
and say that Roman Wilson will be uh, fourth in uh, in receiving yards. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So I think, out of out of those four top guys that I listed, who do you think he has more yards than? So I think he's gonna have more than uh, Giles Jackson. Okay. And the reason I think that is because uh, we're thin at outside receiver, and I think Roman's gonna get a ton of uh, chances to play on the outside. And then also I think uh, Giles is also gonna get a substantial amount amount of his yards. Uh, from handoffs and carries. Yep, so agreed. I think, you know, while he could lead the team in like, like in all pur- purpose yards, I, I could uh, conceivably see a scenario where, you know, he doesn't have a lot of receiving guards because uh, his receiving yards are like equal to his rushing yards. Yeah. And I, uh, geez, this goes back to us talking about the, the backfield and, you know, I'm glad Justin mentioned that because Giles Jackson he came out of the backfield a ton last year, um, to late in the season. Um, he is more than capable of getting handoffs, uh, screen passes, swing passes, uh, wheel routes. He is a player that um, I'm curious to see, like, how uh, Giles Jackson and Chris Evans kind of, like, how they use the two of them. Because it feels like they could have similar roles, Um and I think that's why I'm that's why I'm lower on Chris Evans than a lot of people are. I just you, you're gonna have to get the ball in Giles Jackson's hands, and that means taking it out of other people's hands. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely fascinated to see that. All right, next one. I love this one. Who scores the first touchdown? I love it, Justin. What do you think? I think uh, I think it's gonna be Hassan Haskins. Out of the wildcat, about five yards off. <laughs> nice. Uh, Ryan, what about you? I'm not going to lie. That was my pick. <laughs> All right. My pick is, oh, gosh. I'm only picking this because Twitter will go nuts. But it's going to be at the, the three or the four-yard line, and we're just going to run like a, a play-action, like fake naked bootleg, and Milton's going to run it in. <laughs> and I feel like if Milton scores the first touchdown of the year, I, I don't know. Like, we, we will already be gifting him the Heisman, even though we already have, basically. Um, so, yeah, for, for Twitter and content purposes, I'm going to go with, with Joe Milton. All right. Sack leader. We're almost through this. Well, kind of. Uh, sack leader. Um, I'm going to go with Quiddy Pay. I said it in a couple podcasts ago. Um, I'm, I'm getting good vibes from Quiddy Pay this year. I think Aiden Hutchinson is going to be a beast. Uh, but I also think Aiden Hutchinson is going to get a little bit more attention. So I think uh, I think Quiddy Pay is going to lead in sacks. Yeah. Um, um, I'm going to go to the opposite side of the field and say Hutchinson. Okay. Quick. Fair enough. Justin. Yep, and uh, yeah, I'm going to side with Ryan and say Hutchinson, even though I would I, I'd prefer it be be Pay so that uh, Hutchinson uh, has more to consider if he wants to stay a year. <laughs> so uh, I love it. Um, this one is tackle for loss leader. I, you know, I don't have a good prediction here. Um, I obviously don't think it's going to be one of those two, um, defensive ends. So I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb and I'm just going to say Cameron Grown. Um, I think he's, they're going to, he's going to be flying all over the field this year. Um, at linebacker, he's going to be used as an edge rusher. He's going to be used on blitzes. Um, I think, I think it's going to be Cameron Grown. Uh, Ryan. Um, I think it's going to be um, Michael Barrett just because of the way that they 
utilize Khalil Hudson and Jabril Peppers to like mm-hmm. not only rush the quarterback but like also drop back in coverage and whatnot. But they had the Viper rushing the quarterback quite a bit in the past few years with Khalif <laughs> because he was good at it. So I think that we're going to see the same thing from Michael Barrett, and so that's just why I'm picking him, especially with the offensive line preoccupied with Hutchinson and Pay. For sure. Yeah, I was going to say pretty much the exact same thing Ryan said, is why I'm, I'm going with uh, Michael Barrett. Uh, total tackles. Um, is anybody not picking Cameron? Nope. No. <laughs> okay, we can move on there. Um, <laughs> uh, who is cornerback two? Um, I'll just quickly answer this, and I know Ryan touched on it, or one of you guys touched on it earlier. Um, obviously, it looks like signs are pointing, pointing to uh, Gem and Green, uh, but I'm, I'm going to say by season's end that Andre Seldon's going to be our, our cornerback two on the outside, which would be nuts for a freshman, um, but he's really good. He's really good. And uh, I think I think he's going to win that job come season's end. Uh, Justin, what are you thinking? Uh, so I think it's going to end up being uh, DJ Turner. Okay. Uh, yeah, he was, uh, I think, originally from Georgia. Played his senior year at IMG. Uh, yeah, seems like a really talented kid. I think he'll, he'll end up being the second quarterback. Well, is, is can I ask this, is... Are we expecting Green to be that guy for this game? Is has that been kind of is is that what everyone's thinking right now or no? I, I don't think it's been confirmed. It seems like you know it could be Turner, it could be Green, it could be someone okay. else. Okay. Interesting. Okay, Ryan, what are you thinking? Um, I also think that it's going to at least start out being Green and like Max. I am a big Andre Seldon fan, so if if any of the guys struggle, whether it be Turner or Green in the two spot, I have a feeling that they're going to move up. Um, Dan, dang, I forgot his name. Uh, uh, Andre Seldon, sorry. Yes. No, you're good. You see, I've uh, just been blanking this entire time. No, it's it's that Baja Blast, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be preoccupied with that, too. Um, this one is, well, one defensive tackle – um, well, over under 3.5 sacks for one of the defensive tackles. Is that what you were going with, Justin? Yes. I will say 100% under. That would be my guess. That's, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I'm I'm going to take the under. Yeah, I uh, unfortunately yeah, probably have to take the under, even though I think I think Chris Hinton will get three. Okay, and and I think before we move on there, I didn't want to, I didn't want it to come across as I thought that was a bad over under because I don't. If Quiddy Pay and Hutchinson are really that good on the outside, I could very well see a chance. Yeah, no, for sure, Um, and they might be. I I always go back to like Mo Hurst. Um, Mo Hurst was an excellent pass rusher for that defensive tackle position. But he got a lot of help by playing alongside really good defensive ends. And didn't didn't Hurst have like seven sacks one year? Yeah, like I, close to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that. I mean I I just you got to have a lot of things that go right for that to happen, and um, it could. But uh, I I just don't see that. Uh, interceptions leader uh, Ryan start us off. I think it's going to be Dax Hill. Um. Especially if they start playing him at the nickel a little bit. I just think that with him being such a high talent level, I think that he's going to be able to read the quarterback real well from his safety position. Can someone help me out here? Does He, he plays free safety, right? Yeah, I mean, 
he he's yeah. gonna he's gonna play every single place on that defense. He's gonna so, he's gonna play nickel. He's gonna play corner. He's gonna play safety. It's gonna be yeah. yeah. He'll, he'll he'll play everywhere. I mean, I think I think you know there's not like too much of a distinction between the safety roles and Don Brown's defense, but yeah, gotcha. that will be everywhere. Um, yeah, I think that he's just gonna be since he's gonna be everywhere and with how fast and athletic he is, I think that he's gonna be able to pick up that with. Um, Vincent Gray being second. For sure. Um, Justin, what are you thinking there? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go out on a limit a, a tiny bit. Uh, I think teams are going to uh, at least want to start throwing away from Dax Hill. Uh, but I'm going to uh, uh, pick the other safety who, uh, you know, I don't think gets enough love, and that's uh, Brad Hawkins. I think I think he's going to be that guy. At least the team and, and I, I gotcha. I have Hawkins Dax Hill is as so well. underappreciated. Yes, he is. Like, like I, he's just he's just solid. He's not going to make many really bad plays that that you're going to see. He's just an all around solid player. Um, let's see. I have uh, Dax Hill again. Uh, moving on here, we got uh, just some four more here. Um, offensive MVP. I'll start this one off, and then we'll go to Justin. Um, offensive MVP, I have Zach Charbonnet. Um, I think he – so going into his freshman year last season, I'll never forget there was a there was a quote from a scout out west. Um, I, you know, I don't remember who this quote came from. But it was basically like, this guy's the most underrated player in the class. He's the best running back prospect that I've seen in a long time. And I'm like, you know what? Wow, that seems like it's high praise. And I saw him running last year, last year as a true freshman – um, I think this this kid is different. I think he's the best running back that Michigan has had in this program for a very, very, very long time. Um, I think now that's year two, he's healthy. Um, I know Joe Milton's going to get all the hype. I get it. Um, I think Zach Charbonnet is going to be up, end up being our our guy, and I think he's gonna he's gonna be our our offensive MVP. I'm gonna go with the easy pick and say Joe Milton, just because Ooh. if the if the offense does what I think it's gonna do and let him settle in and then start taking more deep shots, I have a feeling that his arm strength is just gonna be a huge factor with people like Cornelius Johnson and Ronnie Bell that can elevate to get the ball. I think that he's gonna be that person. I also think that he's gonna throw quite a few interceptions, but with that being said, it could be like a Josh Allen type season where a lot of touchdowns, a few interceptions, and just still be the MVP of the team. Well, I don't think interceptions are are necessarily a, a bad thing always. Obviously, you don't want to turn the ball over, but, like, interceptions are going to happen. If you throw the ball more and if you take more chances, you're going to throw more picks, and it's not always a bad thing. So, uh, Justin, yeah. what are you thinking? Offensive MVP. Yeah, uh, I'm going to roll with Charbonnet. Uh, I just – uh, I think while they're, I think they're gonna ease Milton in, uh, slowly, and uh, he's gonna start coming on strong toward the end <laughs> of the season. But uh, I, I just think Charbonnet is gonna be a monster right away and all throughout the, the season. So I'm leaning Charbonnet. Um, I heard ease it in slowly and I laughed. I apologize. Um, (laughs) defensive MVP. Um, I was down between Cameron Grone and Dax Hill. Um, I'm not going to go with one of the two defensive ends. Um, they would be a solid pick as well. Um, I settled on Cameron Grone. 
I just feel like by the time this season's over, we're going to kind of think of him very similar to what we thought about Devin Bush. Um, I think he's a he's he's an elite linebacker. Uh, he's going to be really good. He's going to be really, really good. So I, I like him to be defensive MVP. Uh, Ryan? Yeah, I like – I just – just for the sake of not picking the same person, um, I'm going to go with Hutchinson um, because he has Quiddy Pay opposite of him, and he has two solid defensive tackles, Chris Hinton and um, Carlo Kemp. And so I think that that pass rush is going to be too much for a lot of these smaller teams that we're going to end up playing. And so I think that he's going to rack up a bunch of sacks and end up being the defensive MVP. Hold on. Before we move on to Justin here, did I see some quote from, like, Hutchinson's dad that was, like, comparing him to Joey Bosa or something? Did you guys see that? Probably. <laughs> no, no pressure, right? <laughs> Jesus. Um, all right, Justin, uh, defensive MVP. Uh, yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm going to roll with, uh, Cam McGrown. Dude, we've been on the same page on almost everything, Justin. We have. That's, that's nuts, because usually we disagree on stuff. Um, offensive freshman of the year, I really thought long and hard about this one. Um, I was having a hard time picking it up, because I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of impact freshman and that's not a bad thing that doesn't mean we have a bad class it just means we have good upperclassmen um i'm gonna say aj henning would be my guess um i i i don't know i think he's gonna be the better of the two freshman receivers at least this year um and i have no other reason to back that up other than like who else am i gonna pick so yeah that's that's my prediction uh ryan what about you um, I'm gonna go with the other freshman receiver. I'm gonna go with Roman Wilson. Fair enough. Because I mean, I mean, he's I I believe they said he's the fastest of all the wide receivers, so he's gonna have a place in this team, at least sometimes, especially with Milton who can throw the ball really far. So I can see him burning a few Big Ten corners yeah. in the process, either I, coming out of the slot or on the outside. I want to I want to touch on something about speed really quick too. Like there's a lot of of people like who's the fastest. I just want this on record. Like, Giles Jackson, Roman Wilson, A.J. Henning, and Mike Sanders still, like, they're all extremely speedy receivers. So, like, I I don't – they're all, like, 4-4 guys. Some of them are probably sub-4-4, but, like, they're all really quick. So, um, I have no idea who's fastest. Uh, Justin, what are you thinking? Uh, offensive freshman of the year. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm on the same page as Ryan here, going with uh, Roman Wilson – I think just like uh, he he's gonna have uh, some play where he like uh, burns like a really bad defense like a Maryland or like a Rutgers and then and like takes a, a touchdown Mich- Michigan State uh, yeah or Michigan State and like takes a touchdown <laughs> for yards that we're all going to like completely overanalyze. And, You'd be like, yeah, oh my god, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, like, like it's gonna be so funny and so obnoxious how like Michigan fans are obsessing over like, like hit him bur- burning like a a really bad co- corner and like Milton hits him on like a perfect foot. Throw and it's gonna be it's gonna be so funny. <laughs> I can already tell you right now, I'm going to tweet this right now. 
It's going to be all in capital letters. We have three more years of this guy with like the wow face emoji and it's going to get like a thousand retweets. Right. <laughs> so like I can already, I know how Twitter works and that tweet's going to blow up and I cannot wait to, to, to send it. Um, <laughs> defensive freshman of the year. I'm going, you know what, Justin, let's start off with you. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to go with, uh, Makari page. Ooh. Okay. Uh, he's, um, Really tall safety, about 6'2", 6'3", uh, played at West Bloomfield, who run, runs like a, a diet version of Michigan's defense. So he's going to be able to <laughs> contribute uh, right, right away. Uh, and, uh, you know, it seems like if there's a, a spot in the defense where a second uh, where Fresh is going to break through, it's going to be somewhere in the secondary. So, yeah, my vote's on Makari Page. Uh, Ryan, what are you thinking? Um, so mine is without a doubt, as you could probably guess by now that I'm going to say this, is Andre Seldon. Mm-hmm. I just think that he's going to work his way into a starting role either this year or early next year. And there's not really much you can tell me that's going to make me think otherwise. Yep. I'm going to totally agree with Ryan. I think that's the obvious choice. Um, I think much like the offense, um, this has uh, this has nothing to do with the quality of the 2020 class. I think it was a very good class, but it's just it's kind of hard to to pick out. There, there's no like noticeable. Oh, this freshman is going to stand out, or this guy's going to start, or this guy's going to get playing time. Uh, Michigan actually has a relatively you know veteran team this year, um, and a, a lot of those guys are sophomores. But I, I once you're in the program a year, you're a veteran as far as I'm, I'm as far as I'm concerned. So, um. I yeah I think I don't see a lot of impact freshmen this year. Um, obviously I'm sure a ton of them will play on special teams, but as far as contributing during the games, I just don't think you're gonna see it a whole lot. Um, that is all of our season long predictions. I can't wait to go you know after this season to listen back to this and just like roast roast each other because yeah. I'm sure there, I'm sure there's gonna be some. Some bad predictions, but I'm sure there'll, there'll be some good ones, too. Um, after Joe Milton wins the Heisman, we're going to be like, why the fuck didn't we pick Milton as offensive MVP? Right. Um, well, yeah. me and Justin are going to say that. So, um, man, we've been going for over an hour already. That went way longer than I expected. Uh, we're just going to do one quick segment before we go. Um, I'm going to kind of quickly explain it. Um, this is kind of a competition that we're having against each other. It was my idea. I'm kind of forcing them to do it. Um so I listen to a golf podcast because I'm a golf nerd. Uh, it's called No Laying Up. Uh, what they do before every tournament is they have 100 bucks to spend, and they make um, whatever picks they want, and it's like a season-long race. Whoever wins um, the most money or, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out who can win the most or lose the most money. Um, so we're going to bet 100 bucks. We're not actually going to bet. Well, I might actually bet, but I don't think they're going to bet. Um, a hundred bucks every single week. And then we're just going to see how much we, we win or lose. Um, you can make two bets. You can make one bet. You can make five bets. doesn't matter. You just got to spend your whole hundred bucks. Um, so Ryan, do you have your picks? Do you have your hundred bucks? Yes, I do. And all, right, all of these picks are going to be $20. Okay. So is, so is it five separate $20 bets? Yes. Okay, cool. 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 Easy enough. All right. So for the first one, I have, um, Coastal Carolina minus 5.5 and everyone well I mean for those people like 
Shout out LJ that know what's I was, up with Coastal I was Carolina. just about to say that. I was about to say, doesn't LJ always to... come in the chat and say rank Coastal yeah. Carolina? Yeah. So <laughs> they are a actually solid team, which you would never expect. And in, I'm pretty sure they're playing like Georgia Southern or something like that. So and being damn near ranked, I think that this is an easy pick. Um, my second one is OSU minus 27 at Nebraska. This is such an easy pick for me. Like you're gonna have, you're gonna see all these Nebraska fans saying, "Oh yeah, we're gonna beat that. We're gonna beat Ohio State." No, you're not. Like Adrian Martinez, yes, he's good. Beat them on last second field goal is what's gonna happen. Nebraska fans have been out of control the last month. I don't know what the deal is. (laughs) Like it's like the equivalent of Rutgers fans talking trash to Michigan. Like you're not beating them. It's not happening, and when this happens, you're going to have Justin Fields throwing throwing the ball all over the yard and running all over them because, as far as I know, they don't have very much of a defense. All I know about them is that they have Adrian Martinez, who's apparently a dark horse Heisman every year. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure that OSU is going to cover that pretty easily. My third one is another pretty easy one for me, and that's Auburn minus 3.5 versus Ole Miss. That's, I mean, as long as... Bo Nix does his best to not throw the game like he did last time. I have a feeling that that's, that's pretty easy. I would never place Oklahoma, a bet on Auburn. <laughs> Oklahoma <laughs> minus six and a half versus TCU. Yep. Spencer Rattler is He's like, a good-looking guy. <laughs> for any for any NBA fans listening to this, Spencer Rattler to me is like the Paul George of football. He is. <laughs> extremely good when it doesn't matter, and then when it comes into clutch, he's going to throw an interception. So as long as this isn't a clutch game, as long as it doesn't come down to that, I have a feeling that he's going to go all over and throw the ball over the yard against them. And last one is Penn State versus Indiana under 62. I am taking the uh, – I'm hammering the under on that because not, <laughs> not only does Penn State not have K.J. Hamler, they don't have Journey Brown, and they have Sean Clifford, who is not even that good. And so they don't even really have that much of an offense. And Indiana just has um, Michael Penix, who is pretty good, and that's about it. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure that they have a few decent I actually, I actually don't have that pick, but I love that under. I, I, I didn't even that see that under, just, but I love that. That's just – an easy pick for me because I can actually see Indiana winning this game and it's not going to be that high scoring. So for sure, that's yeah. I'm hammering the under on under 62. Justin, how are you spending your hundred bucks this week? Yeah. So, uh, I, I got, uh, four, uh, picks that I'm going to do, uh, just 25 a piece. So I got, uh, one one that Ryan had, so that's uh, Ohio State uh, to cover against Nebraska. Uh, he uh, explained it pretty clearly. I don't think like I just have such a hard time seeing Ohio State not covering this game. Um, the next one I had was Iowa to cover against Purdue. Uh, they're only like a three point favorite or or so, and I'm pretty sure they just announced that Rondell Moore is out for that game. So like, wait, what? Yeah. This is so, see, this is why being off of Twitter absolutely kills me. <laughs> okay, I have to, I because I I'm in a, a couple pickums and I have Purdue beating Iowa in all of my pickums that I'm in, so I better go change that. Holy yes. hell! Okay, well they're not beating Iowa without Rondell Moore, so I appreciate the info there. 
Yeah. So, yep, that's my that's my second one. Uh, third one is uh, TCU Oklahoma over uh, sixty and a half. Uh, you know that's like it's, super it's, low under. Yeah. I mean, super low over under. Wow. That is an easy bet. Yeah. I didn't see that one. I, I love can't that believe one, that. Too. I can't believe that the people in Vegas decided to make those the odds, knowing knowingly that these are two Big 12 teams that Oklahoma, play zero. Oklahoma, Oklahoma usually flirts with 70, 75 overs or over unders. So that's a super. Yeah. Low Not one. only that, but but it's the Big 12. Like yeah. If, if you think about the Big 12, the last thing that you're going to associate that with is defense. I'm. Like, I have never seen a defensive battle in the Big 12, and that yeah, was did. especially shown like Oklahoma versus. West Virginia of all teams, like two years ago, where it was like <laughs> seventy to seventy, and yeah. just they don't play defense. They don't. They That's don't. Wild. That's wild. All it. right, Justin, what's your last pick? Yeah, and then my fourth one is uh, Michigan to cover minus three. Nice. Um, I really, Justin, I love your picks, and I'm Ryan. I'm not saying I don't love yours, but like those are those are good picks. All right, so I have I have uh, four bets here. Um, Nebraska, I have Nebraska plus 27. I know you guys are going to roast me for that. Uh-huh. Um, I have Nebraska to cover that. Um, get, give me the points there. Um, I just, 27 is a lot. It's the first game of the season. Um, I'm, I'm not going to bet on Ohio State to cover four touchdowns in the first game of the season. There's not a chance. So I love Nebraska plus 27 there. Um, Iowa State plus three. Um, I will always bet on my guy, Matt Campbell, in a big game against a ranked team. Um, and you're giving me points. That's a no-brainer. Iowa State plus three. I believe they're playing Oklahoma State. Um, I have 20 bucks on those first two bets. Um, Michigan to cover three or minus three. Um, I have 30 bucks on that one. Um, I, I don't I, – I, we, you know what? Before we close out this podcast, we'll, uh, we'll go score predict- predictions for the game tomorrow. But I, I do like Michigan to cover three there. Um, and then my my fourth bet's also thirty bucks, so I have two twenties and then uh, two thirties. Uh, this is a thirty dollar parlay. Um, I have Ohio State and Nebraska under sixty eight. I thought that was a really high over under for that game. Um, I can see Ohio State winning like a like a uh, you know like a forty one twenty one type game, um, so, some, something like that. Uh, which would take them uh, uh, the under there. And then the second leg of that parlay, I have Alabama, Tennessee under 66. So I have two unders. That's a, that's a $30 parlay that would win 80 bucks. Um, those are my three, or those are my four bets and I'm in love with them. And I cannot wait to get roasted for that Ohio state bet, because if Ohio state wins by like a thousand, I'm going to feel like an idiot. <laughs> um, so we're going to we're going to keep track. Uh, we're going to do a podcast every Thursday or Friday, preferably on Thursday. Um, I know this one's out on Friday, but um, and then we're going to have just that little short segment of bets at the end of every week. Um, before we wrap it up, do you guys want to throw out a score prediction for tomorrow night uh, for the Michigan Minnesota game? Uh, yeah, Michigan 31, uh, Minnesota 20. OK, Ryan. 27-24. Oh, so you have a push on that bet. Nice. Um, well, I mean, I know you didn't bet it, but um, I did a prediction for uh, fan-sided. I didn't – they just wanted – it was like a uh, – all of the contributors are all throughout a prediction. Um, I have Michigan 38, Minnesota 28. Um, I think it's going to be a little higher scoring. 
um, than people think. And I have Michigan Michigan by 10. Um, do you guys want to touch on anything else before we before we close it out? I'm no? okay. I'm I'm actually shocked at how long that kind of took us to get through everything, but um, I think that was a pretty good preview of the game and a pretty good season preview as well. So I think that that was a was a pretty good episode. Um, I usual uh, before we close this out. Um, shout out to Lil Dicky, of course. At first, um, he is an inspiration to me. He's an inspiration to all of us, and he is saving the world. Um, and, and protecting our planet, something that um, our president doesn't seem to care about. Um, I would also like to give a shout out to uh, my boy Stevie from the group chat um, and my boy Jack from the group chat because he's on this little uh, social media break with me. So he probably won't even hear this episode. But, uh, yeah, shout out to him. Do you guys have any shout outs? <laughs> I am going to shout out to my uh, unnamed coworker who tested positive for COVID for uh, keeping me in in my apartment for the weekend. That's a, that's a tough scene. As somebody who has had COVID, it's a tough scene. Uh, Ryan, any shout outs? Um, not really. I mean, oh, I guess, and yeah, I, I, really. I, I do want to say that I voted. Um, which I, if you guys haven't voted yet. Um, well, I know, Ryan, you can't vote. But, Justin, have you voted yet? I have voted already. Okay, cool. Um, I could not believe how long the, the early voting lines were. I've never seen anything like it. I, I've It's like – it's it was nuts. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. It took me about two hours to vote. Um, this this line was like a mile long. Um, but, yeah, so if, if you're listening to this and you are over 18, please vote in this election. Don't be a dweeb. Um, yeah, vote. It's your it's your civic duty to vote. So there's your. Actually, uh, what's that, Ryan? Yeah. Um, keep, keep going. No, no, you're good. What were you gonna say? I was gonna give a shout out after you're done. Cause oh I no, hey, give a shout out right now. now. Um, so shout out John King of CNN. Nobody <laughs> can work the interactive maps like he does, and he actually makes election day fun. Um, that was a That's fantastic a shout out. Uh, what what's that one dude that uh Jeffrey Tubin? Uh, you guys know who he is? I've heard uh, yes. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Do you know why I'm shouting him out? I I think I know, but but go ahead. Well, Jeffrey Tubin, who is uh, he does some stuff for CNN, and I believe he also works for God. Don't I don't quote me on this, but it's a very big. It's either like the New York Post or the Wall Street Journal, whatever it may be. Um, he got caught jerking off on a Zoom call. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. and so yeah, shout out Jeffrey Tubin. Um, <laughs> you are you're you're an idiot, and um, yeah. So I, he deserves a, he deserves our shout out because that that's a tough that might be the toughest scene to be honest. Um, all right, that's it. If you've made it through an hour and twenty minutes with us, for the love of God, please follow us and like us and leave um, a review, and we would really appreciate it. Um, that's all we got. Once again, shout out to Little Dicky. Have a good night, everyone. Go blue.